Next on BYU Sports Station, three points behind and three straight losses for Cougar football. What's your biggest takeaway from BYU and West Virginia? ESPN College football analyst Trevor Maddich joins us. Does he think BYU is improving despite three straight losses? Plus, Jimmer Fredette with a weekend championship. Cougars in the NFL and ranked BYU teams keep on winning. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, September 26th, wherever and however you are dialed in. It's great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who actually wore a non-plaid shirt today, Jerem Jordan. I wear non-plaid about 40% of the time. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm sorry. I need to give you credit where credit is due, right? I wore a polo on Friday. This wasn't mentioned. Rep the Y. If you had a plaid BYU shirt, though, you would probably wear that to Rep the Y on Friday, wouldn't you? plaid BYU polo. Hey, BYU store, let's go. The official outfitter, BYU. There has to be. They have a new golf line, the Tiger Woods collection for BYU. Like, you, there has to be something golf related that could be plaid, right? Tiger Woods and golf, that's still a thing. That's cool. Apparently. Yeah. No, his style's still on point. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking now. I am making a mental note to look for a plaid, plaid BYU polo. polo. That's where it's at. For one, Jerem Jordan. Question. And maybe we should. Throw out an instant poll, an insta poll for BYU Sports Nation. Monday Night Football or the Clinton Trump debate tonight? What are you more inclined to watch? What am I more inclined to watch? That one's obvious. Is it? <laughs> that one's obvious. What am I inclined to watch? Yes. Two candidates I won't vote for <laughs> or Monday Night Football? Two teams I don't care about. The two teams I don't care about. You're going to watch the two teams you don't care about? Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to be entertainment value should be very high in the debate. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I love the politics of sports. The Saints Saints and the Falcons. Okay. And I've got two guys going in an important fantasy football matchup. So I am am invested in the football matchup. This is important. Although although I am intrigued. By the first debate featuring one Donald Trump. You're fired. Okay? It's just... This is why I like Twitter. I don't have to consume the whole thing. I'll get the highlights. highlights. Take in the highlights. The internet will edit it for me. I don't have to watch the whole thing. Although there are things, like this weekend, that I will watch the whole thing of. But not always. DVRs are fabulous, aren't they? Yeah. Clemson-Louisville is at the same time as something else on Saturday. <laughs> so Saturday the, at 6 Mountain Time. Use so the DVR. DVR <laughs> on the less important thing. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football drops to 1-3 after a 35-32 loss to West Virginia. Jamal Williams, how about 29 carries, 169 yards, mm. and dose touchdowns. BYU hosts 3-0 Toledo on Friday night. Countdown to kickoff will get you set 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain Time. Jimmer Fredette scored 34 and 43 points on Saturday and Sunday games in China for the Shanghai Sharks, who won the Merlion Cup. Championship! He's averaging 35 a game through four games. He's getting buckets. Bacho Gewa! Fourth-ranked BYU women's soccer defeated Long Beach State. 
What a match in a mess of a field. One to nothing Saturday, thanks to an 85th minute goal from the nation's leading scorer, Ashley Hatch, who now has 12, 12 goals on the season. She's legit. You, and you call a scoreless soccer game for 86 minutes. I can't think of anything less compelling the other than a is, presidential debate going up against Monday Night Football. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I tell you what, like, you think, man, scoreless tie into the 86 minute, boring. It was super entertaining just because BYU was on the attack for like 40 straight minutes and the crowd and the atmosphere, every time they would get into the 18, the box, it just adds a dynamic to it. There it's you go. fun. BYU does play a style of ball that it's is really exciting fun to watch. To watch. Yeah. yeah. And they'll be, they'll be live Thursday. I'm actually going to step in for Spencer and call that game. So, yeah, I'm excited to see the, uh, them in person. Cougars in the NFL for week three. Dennis Pitta, six catches for 42 yards against the Jaguars. Daniel Sorensen had an interception, one of like 18 from Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Jets, and Kyle Van Noy had four tackles against the Packers, and Alani Fua had a tackle against the Bills. It's a Monday. Let's talk more football. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Lessons from West Virginia. West Virginia. Country roads take me home to the place where I belong which is in Provo, Utah, where Cougar football has returned, now awaiting 3-0 Toledo this Friday night. Today is not the day to discuss Toledo. It's about last Saturday's game and the status of the Cougars following that. 1-3 after another tough loss, 35-32 at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. Three straight losses by a combined seven points. That's crazy. That really That's is never happened, nuts. by the way. I looked it up Saturday night. BYU's never played four games, the first four games that were decided by, you know, three points or less. That's never happened. Nine points have determined all four games, but three hey, losses by seven. Entertainment value is high. You you would want more than one win out of that, but is BYU improving games. despite three straight close, hard-fought losses? We'll ask ESPN's Trevor Maddich in about ten minutes that very question. What are BYU Sports Station's thoughts after Saturday's game? Let's go ahead and take care of that via the Twitter machine. What's your biggest takeaway from BYU's loss against West Virginia? Use the hashtag BYUSN at Coogbaka. Taysom is in a no-win situation. He's set the bar high in past games. Now fans expecting too much too soon in a new offense. I thought Taysom Hill showed some serious flashes of brilliance. Of course, everybody's going to point to the interceptions and the pick six and be like, hey, we want to hold people accountable. But he did some good things. And I'll get into the dynamics. And, yes, yeah. I'll get into the specifics of that in just a bit in my own personal takeaways. But, Jerem, if you have to answer the question, where are you starting? I have to. Uh, despite BYU's somewhat poor play, uh, you know, defensively gave up 28, had the pick six, of course, the poor decision. Mitchell Jurgens doesn't get out of bounds, almost cost BYU. In fact, it may have cost them four points. They had a shot at the end zone, maybe if he goes out of bounds, right? BYU still got three, which was nice. Uh, but despite all of that, BYU was still in a position to win this game, which is crazy. BYU got a third down stop, had the ball down three, under five to go. Unfortunately, the ball goes off of Mitchell Jurgens' hands for an interception. Then West Virginia begs BYU to win the game by fumbling it at the five-yard line, and BYU marches down to what, like the 29? And then, unfortunately, the ball off of Hifo's hands. That happened against Utah for a pick six, and now it's happened in the end zone against West Virginia, unfortunately. Um, I think Hifo will be a good player for BYU, but... Um, that's, that's a bummer. After the game, I thought, man, this schedule's tough. 
And what does Ty Detmer do with this offense this week? And those are questions we'll address throughout the week on BYU Sports Nation. But one that I thought of was this. Aleva Hifo and Mitchell Jurgens are trying to make plays on those balls. They did their best, and that's, you know, and that's great. I was thinking about last year. Tanner Mangum had a group of receivers that were really experienced, 6'6", Mitch Matthews, 6'5", Taron Houck. He returns, you know, Nick Kurtz this year. And Devon, Devon Blackman, Blackman was helped. shorter, but he was he he attacked he the ball with open. an angry yeah. at, like an angry attitude. This year, I I think if those guys had been out there and those balls come up, I think those are probably catches, right? Unfortunately, these are five five ten dudes trying to make a play on the ball, not a six five six six guys making plays from last year. I think that's not a coincidence, in my opinion, that the, that those two interceptions. Happened to guys that were five foot ten in those situations. Now, sure, it could happen. Whatever, I might be off on this, but we'll ask ESPN's Trevor Maddich coming up. I don't think that's a coincidence. My takeaways start with Jamal Williams. If he is not facing a Utah or UCLA defensive front or Michigan State, which by the way are really good, oh my goodness, beast mode. Feed him the ball. He is clearly the real deal. I know he fumbled, but he's lost one fumble. In 571 career carries. That's unbelievable. That's not even our stat of the day. How about that? I'm at a point where if BYU is inside, let's say, I don't know, the six-yard line, and it's second down, and they're goal to go, I am totally okay with the defense knowing that Jamal Williams is going to get the ball three times in a row, and we've got to stop him. Feed it to him. If you're inside the six, utilize the strongest point of your game, and I think that is Jamal Williams. Sure-handed, strong runner, doesn't lose yards. So give him the ball. Score touchdowns. Taysom Hill, and this is my second point, is officially, in my opinion, now not running with any sort of tentative behavior at all. I don't think he's afraid of getting hurt, and if you need a reference to that point, how about when he hurdled the two defenders. He, like, jumped in the air to <laughs> avoid the direct contact and then spun around. That was awesome. That was, like, classic Taysom, right? I, I think that reckless Taysom's way better than conservative Taysom well, I think as we a are, runner. Well, here's the thing. I, I still feel I like... I want him to do what he did against West Virginia. Just just do your thing, man. Just do your thing because you're a really good player he when he does that. He still protected himself for the most part, but he was he ran well. He ran... For the most part, really smart and well. He ran and, for a hundy, and that was a that was a fun play to watch. It was it was interesting to see the social media feed right after that. Probably seven or eight tweets right in a row. Taysom's back. Taysom is back. I, lo- I lo- yeah, I love it. yeah. He's back. One play, like it was a great play. Let's be careful not to crown people after one thing. I thought the offense. You should be encouraged by what the offense did. 521 total yards of offense. And That's a have, lot. You have to take into consideration they were throwing the ball over the field late in the fourth quarter, and they were scrambling a bit, so that becomes a bit bloated. But I was, for the most part, encouraged by what I saw from the offense. I thought they were efficient when they had the ball. You turn the ball over four times against a prolific offense like West Virginia, you're going to have a tough time winning a football game. So the turnovers aside, I thought – for the most part, they were very efficient when they were holding on to the ball. Yeah, and it's hard to push them aside, right? That's huge they didn't part of punt. The How many times line. did BYU punt? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, a, t- a takeaway here is BYU did put up a bunch of offense, and that was great. They can't get down 17 at home to UCLA, and don't go down 16 to West Virginia. 
I mean, BYU made those games, which is really notable. Um, and I, then they lose by three. Do not use the phrase, should have won. Okay? They were down 16, and they made it a game. That's, that's the point, right? Should have won. No, West Virginia should have won that game. They shouldn't have fumbled the ball inside the five. So I'm encouraged by that. But it's kind of like uh, Monte, Ellis, Monte Ellis scoring 28 in like a 12-point loss or something. It's like sort of hollow stats to a degree. But I am encouraged because we were calling out this offensive line. They responded. To block better. They responded. They responded. We called out the rushing game. They responded. We called out uh, Taysom Hill in this offense. Responded. So all positive things. And you look back at September, uh, and there's still one more game in September on the last day coming up Friday. You look back at the first four. Wow. Those first four were unprecedented, not only in BYU history, but among every other college football team in America this season, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is the only FBS team who played four Power 5 teams in the first four weeks. There was no warm-up for this new coaching staff. There was no warm-up for Ty Detmer in Division I calling plays. That was That's brutal. In fact, Tom Homo schedules this, right? And BYU has a lot of program pride. We'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime. The risk of that is this, right? But I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with one and three, but I'm okay with the ambition, right? And it, it's been tough. Now BYU plays Toledo. You hope to win that. And then you play at Michigan State, Mississippi State at home, at Boise State. This schedule's the real deal, man. Like my seven projection of wins, it's pacing for that. And that's, and that's not a terrible thing. Even the group of five teams on the schedule this year, Toledo, 3-0, and receiving at least one vote in the latest poll. Boise State, 24th. ranked 24th. Cincinnati, at Cincinnati in November, a good team. Utah State is not a gimme to end the season. This is a loaded schedule. And how about Miss, like, uh, Mississippi State and UMass matching up? UMass taking it to Mississippi State. They lost that game, but still. they And Mississippi State lost to South Alabama. So it's like, is Mississippi State like weaker than Toledo? Like what? We don't know. Wow. <laughs> it's a tough schedule, man. It's Absolutely. really tough. Three or four on the road in the first four. It really is. But I'm encouraged because, in my opinion, I think BYU – got better in more areas than they showed weaknesses on Saturday. Points off turnovers, still an issue. 22 points off 10 turnovers. It's so low. West Virginia had 14. BYU had three. The conversation happening right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Join BYU Sports Nation. What's your biggest takeaway from BYU's loss against West Virginia? At Connor Crandall 2 says that the offense is alive and Taysom and Jamal can still do things they did years ago if the offensive line lets them. Ty Detmer has some things to figure out this this week. Does BYU go up-tempo more often now? Question mark. That's just one thing that I'm sure he will be asked this week. Coming up, we review our going for two projections. Did either of us get one right? But first, it's Maddich Monday. Trevor Maddich up next. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio, moving pictures on BYU TV, the conversation happening right now on Twitter. We invite all of you to follow at BYU Sports Nation and use the hashtag BYUSN. Coming up tomorrow night, the guys on After Further Review break down BYU against West Virginia and then preview the Cougars against a 3-0 Toledo team putting up a ton of points and yards, and only giving up 10 a game, but they haven't played anybody. Arkansas State, 
Maine, and Fresno State. So, intriguing matchup coming up. Check it out tomorrow night, 7 Eastern time. The breakdown on After Further Review. Another close loss for BYU, 35-32 this time coming to West Virginia. What is your biggest takeaway from that BYU loss against West Virginia is our Twitter question today. Again, use the hashtag BYUSN. Joining us now via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is ESPN college football analyst, insider, and national champion Trevor Maddich for another Maddich Monday. Trevor, I just want you to take your analyst hat off for a moment and tell me, what are you feeling right now purely as a BYU fan? Well, as a BYU fan, I'm frustrated that they're 1-3. I'm frustrated that they haven't been able to turn the corner and win close games, except they won the opener by two points, but then they lose by one point, by three, and by three. And I appreciate that they're fighting as hard as as they are, Uh, but as a fan, I'm frustrated that they haven't been able to turn the corner and make that one play that's needed to be made to turn a game around. Okay, you can put your uh, analyst uh, ball cap back on. Put it on backwards uh, while you're at it. <laughs> BYU was down 17 against UCLA, made it a three-point game. BYU was down 16 against West Virginia, made it a three-point game, and then West Virginia was begging BYU to win by giving the ball back inside the five-yard line there. Is, there. is there any value to this idea that, hey, four Power 5 teams in the first four weeks was just really tough? Well, there is value to that, but the thing is, if they can mount that kind of a comeback, then why in the world aren't they doing that for four quarters instead of one or two? And so from an analyst standpoint, we know they can do stuff. We just don't see them doing it consistently enough over the course of of four quarters of a game. And so that's one of the things that they need to put together. That's one of the reasons that they lose close games. And, And also it comes down to making the plays. When you're playing at an efficient level for four quarters, you'll make a few more key plays over the course of a game. And really, when you look at this, BYU, two of their three losses come by the margin of a pick six. Utah, they lost by one point, and they threw a pick six, seven points for the Utes. West Virginia, they lose by three points, and they give up a pick six, seven points for the Mountaineers. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that play was the only play that mattered because when things like that happen, it changes the way other things happen going forward in the game. There are other plays that you can point to, but usually a football game will come down to just a handful of plays that you can point to afterwards and say, yep, that was key, yep, that was key. You never know which plays those are going to be. And BYU, especially on offense now, is only getting about a quarter and a half to two quarters of, of efficient offensive play where they have really the potential to make those kinds of key plays. The pick sixes, or the big one, giving it up. Yeah, the pick sixes are clearly brutal. But as a whole, is this BYU team improving despite not getting wins over the last three weeks? Yes. Now you asked me to put on my analyst hat with the with the bill backwards. I'd prefer it kind of to the side a little bit backwards, <laughs> uh, just so I could look a little cooler. You know, it's, that's the way it's done now. But the uh, but yes, absolutely. The fact that they've played this schedule, it's one of the most brutal first four games of anybody in all of college football. And BYU has, has been right there in all these games with the, with the potential if one play or two plays had gone the other direction to be 4-0 right now. But they also could be 0-4, right? But the fact that they're playing so tough with a new defensive scheme, with a brand-new offensive scheme that's not just different terminology, but it's a different way to be. It's a different physical body that's required 
to make this offense work at the highest level. And the fact that they've been so close in all four of these games is fantastic. And, guys, if you really want to take a look at something that shows you where BYU is now from a character standpoint, remember last year they had three very difficult games to start the season, and they played their hearts out. Game number four, you remember where that was? At Michigan. At Michigan, what happened? They got blown out. 31-0. Right, and it was not because they quit. It was because they were just spent. They just had left it on the field for all three of those games preceding that Michigan game. And then they have to fly out to Ann Arbor, which is kind of a long ways. Well, here they've got three heart-wrenching games uh, to start the season, Arizona, Utah, and UCLA. And now they fly all the way to the East Coast. But instead of being spent, they almost win this game. And so I think that shows a lot to, to the, 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 the character of this team. And how the fact that I think this is a better team than it was last year. The record, I don't think, will show it. But I think with my analyst hat on, as I watch the way they play, the things they're doing, and the things that they will do better as they get more accustomed to what they're being asked to do. This is a BYU program that I believe is on the rise, and I don't think people should look at at one game or, or one stretch this year and make a judgment as to how this thing is going because they are on the rise. You did mention to us before the season as well that BYU, you thought BYU would be better, but don't look at the record. So that, that's, you're repeating that, which I, I think is a great point. And the point that BYU actually brought it in Game 4, uh, crossed the 50-yard line multiple times, unlike last year. And now BYU has this situation, Trevor. When BYU runs the spread and they run it with tempo, they're pretty good on offense. And that's been the case against Arizona at the end of the game, against Utah when they needed a touchdown uh, against UCLA when they were behind to try and get back in it. And then against West Virginia in that fourth quarter down 16, they get uh, you know enough points to make that a game. What do you think BYU should do this week uh, with this offense? Because I think Ty Detmer has a situation on his hand where he goes, do I stick to the pro style and the long-term plan, or do we take advantage of what we do well through one-third of the season? You know, I, well, they need to stick with what they're doing, but there are – tweaks within this system that would allow the quarterback to get out on the perimeter more. There are ways that he can run the ball more. And by the way, they understand how to do the zone read. I mean, it wouldn't take anything at all just to throw a couple of zone reads in there. They've been doing it for years uh, and so with these people. So that wouldn't be too hard either. But I wouldn't be too quick to think that they need to get away from the pro-style system just because this system has everything that they need. And truthfully, when you watch the tape, you see the plays there to be made. They're just not being made, especially in the passing game. And that is an incomplete pass. That's zero gain. It puts you behind the chains. And then other things happen that make it more difficult to run the ball. And so, so I think that what they should do, I wouldn't worry about going up-tempo. They can if they want. That's fine. What they need to do is just get better at taking what the defense gives them and build in more of the plays that already exist within this system to get Taysom out so he can run around because he's doing better as a passer in this system, but he's still not a very efficient passer in this system. Most of the balls that he completes seem to be ones where either the route is designed where it will be open and that's the only guy he's looking at, or he'll see a guy confirm with his eyes that the guy is, yes, indeed, open, and then throw the ball, and that's too late for this thing to work the way it really should work. So you see Taysom getting better week in and week out, but he's still not there as a passer, so I think it would be a good idea just to turn him loose a little bit as a runner within this game. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation for another Maddich Monday. The Cougars will host Toledo, a 3-0 team, on Friday night. 
Now that you've seen BYU play four games and Toledo on the way, Michigan State after that, Mississippi State in Provo, BYU at Boise State in the latter part of October, the next four are also tough. Not as tough as the first four, but still will present some significant challenges. Trevor, where have your win-loss expectations moved or changed now for BYU after four games? They haven't really changed. I mean, you would think this first four, two and two would have been phenomenal. Three and one would have been a minor miracle, <laughs> uh, as in we need to open up the, the scriptures and add another book. Uh, <laughs> if they'd have gone three and one against these first four with new systems on both sides of the ball. One and three, we don't like it as fans, right? But the way they're playing is, is phenomenal. You've got to just give them so much credit. My win-loss um, expectation hasn't really changed. I mean, if they get to six and go to a bowl, I think that'll be a good season. If they get to seven, I think that'll be really, really good. I mean, really, really good. And again, they will have, they will be a better team. But, but remember this though, that people think that because of the brand names that they've played in the first four games, then here comes Toledo. Okay, good. We have, we can take a breath here, right? Well, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, FBI, BYU has a 65% chance of beating Toledo. So that's good, right? Careful. Because Toledo, uh, is scoring points in bunches, like you mentioned. Their defense, has been a rock against the run, against the teams that they've faced so far, which have not been great, but they held Fresno State to about five feet per carry, not five yards, five feet. So I wouldn't be looking ahead to Michigan State on October 8th past Toledo because if you lose a Toledo game, the whole feeling of this season changes from being hopeful to, to being one and four and having lost the game that they need in order to possibly make a bowl. Trevor, last year, BYU had a tremendous group of receivers, senior-laden, big, tall guys that made catches in the air. Mitch Matthews at 6'6", Taron Houck at 6'5", and, of course, Nick Kurtz is back at 6'6". At I, I looked at the last two interceptions against West Virginia, and I saw great effort from those individuals and Mitchell Jurgens and Aleva Hifo trying to make those plays. But then I thought, how tall are those guys? Those guys are 5'10". Last year, I think Tanner Mangum took advantage of these 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, kind of guys in a lot of situations. Is that a coincidence, or am I way off base here? No, that, you're not off base at all. Those big guys have a bigger catch radius, and you don't have to be as accurate. Uh, for one thing, when they're open, you don't have to be as accurate for them to be able to reach out and catch it. But more importantly, when there's a defender close by, they've got that big body that they can use to box out, and they've got that big body and long arms that they can use to reach out. And that's important. Uh, I think when you've got shorter receivers, you've got to be more precise as a quarterback. And, and that, that just adds to the tasks that Taysom needs to improve out week in and week out because the receivers are less experienced for the most part. And you don't have that many tall guys. I mean, you talk about having one or two tall guys, that's nice. But last year they had like four or five guys that, that would go 6-3 and up. And so that, that's really, really helpful. So uh, that's a good point. Not an excuse that they would hang their hat on, but I think it's a good point. And by the way, we talked last week about how the receivers, I thought, were just too soft. Soft is the way I'd, I'd say it. They weren't fighting for footballs. They would run around and the ball came their way, and if it got to them, okay. But if it didn't because it was contested, well, they might make a little effort to go get it. But, oh, okay, there's a defender there. It didn't come. That, I thought, was just... Was, was just not acceptable. In this game against West Virginia, I saw those receivers fight for balls. I saw Nick Kurtz extend that body and take risks with his body and fight through defenders to catch balls. I saw Mitch Jurgens uh, at the goal line and other places 
fight for extra yards, fight for footballs. And I'll tell you, going forward, that's one of the keys for fans to watch for because this receiving core needs to really step up to help this passing game work better. It's not just on the quarterback. Talking with ESPN's Trevor Maddich for another Maddich Monday. Trevor, which 1-3 in three team and fan base are the closest to hitting the panic button? BYU, USC, or Notre Dame? Oh, boy. You know, I think Notre Dame would be the closest because Notre Dame had expectations of being a playoff team this year. And as the game wore on on Saturday, I was in Los Angeles doing uh, seven hours of radio from a set outside the Rose Bowl for the Stanford-UCLA game. We're watching that, that Notre Dame game against Duke, and I was thinking, okay, now, now we know how good Notre Dame is because the score was tied at the time. Uh, they're about as good as Duke. Then when the score uh, ticked into Duke's favor and Duke won that game, then I said on the radio, now we really know how good Notre Dame is, almost as good as Duke. And boy, did Notre Dame fans light me up on Twitter and message boards for that. But, but what do you say? Now, they've had injuries on defense, especially. They've had suspensions and dismissals. Uh, but their defense has been so porous that they fired their defensive coordinator. You know, USC's got big problems, but they're also in the first year of a new head coach. And so, you know, you can make some excuses there if, you, if you're inclined to do such a thing. Notre Dame's got no excuses, even though they've had the dismissals and the suspensions on defense. They have enough athletes to beat Duke at home. Better game, Louisville-Clemson or Wisconsin-Michigan? Oh, man. More exciting will be Louisville-Clemson because you've got <laughs> two of the best quarterbacks in the country. And Lamar Jackson of Louisville, if you have not seen him play yet, this is appointment viewing. This guy doesn't just beat opponents. He humiliates them. I mean, Louisville broke Florida State's will when they hung 63 points on him, broke their will a couple of weeks ago. And part of it was because these future NFL defenders for Florida State were trying to light him up when he would run the ball. They thought they had him lined up for big hits. And he would make them miss and make them miss badly over and over and over again. And then when he didn't make a miss, he just ran over them. Well, you'll see this guy against Clemson now, against Deshaun Watson of the Tigers, who, who will also be a first-round draft choice in the NFL. So that's a great game. The, the Michigan-Wisconsin game is just as important. I mean, Wisconsin coming out of the blue, for goodness sake. They're, they're making themselves a playoff contender now. But that game will be more old-school, pro-style, grinded-out, hard-nosed defensive football. And if you like that sort of thing, you like soccer, too, which I do. I like both. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think for, for a video game excitement, boy, you better put down Lamar Jackson in that Louisville game. Trevor Maddich of ESPN <laughs> rocking his hat backward and a little bit to the side and not sleeping on Toledo. Thanks for the time, Trevor. Great stuff. All right. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. If you like soccer, and then he's like, quickly, oh, I like soccer. Oh, I wonder if Trevor Maddich really does like soccer. There's some great matchups uh, this week. Stanford-Washington is uh, on Friday night as well. This is a huge week for college football. Oh, yeah. Every week, baby. I love it. Some weeks greater than others. Of course, the first week was unbelievable, but there's some, there are two top ten matchups this week. It's one of those moments where I, I need to realize sometimes, despite BYU not winning football games, stepping back and enjoying what college football is and the pageantry. Oh, every week for me, man. It's so fun. I love college football. My it's favorite so fun. sport by far. Coming up, more of your takeaways from BYU's loss at West Virginia via the Twitter machine. And how close is Jamal Williams to the all-time rushing record at BYU? 
He took a big chunk out of that mark on Saturday. This is BYU Sports Nation. Jason Harvey. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. Mark your calendars, September 29th. That's Thursday. It's Basketball Media Day. It's going to be awesome. What? Basketball? Yeah, they start practice soon, so they'll have Media Day. Check it out. This Thursday, a two-hour edition of BYU Sports Nation. We will have Dave Rose and players on a two-hour edition that will be rebroadcast as well, of course. That's noon Eastern coming up this Thursday. By the way, the uh, indoor or the Marriott Center Annex, a.k.a. the YMCA, it's looking good, man. They're not too far away from uh, finishing the exterior of that. Laying down brick in the front, kind of alternating it with cement. It looks good. I can't yeah, wait. Terry Nash have told me that they're just a few weeks away from being on the court in there. So nice. while everything won't be finished, the court the apparently court is, what is in place. And they're getting, uh, they're getting ready to, uh, I guess, christen the Marriott Center Annex court by getting on there and playing some hoops. I want the first shot. That's never going to happen. I want the first shot, and it's going to be from half court. No, I guarantee a shot's already happened. Oh man! I mean, I mean, once they give the official okay, it's too late, man. It's over. I want, I want, I want to christen the Institute of Buckets. Listen, I saw that dream and I just crushed it, man. I'm sorry. Maybe we have to break out that Vegas video of me putting up that half court shot. One and oh, done again. that was that was fantastic. It was legit during the BYU women's that was basketball elite. practice. Elite. Yeah, that was fun. And Melinda, <laughs> Melinda Bendall being like, oh, oh Did that what? Just, what? Really fun. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football, you may have seen the game on Saturday. They fall 35-32 to West Virginia. They're 1-3 on the season. Jamal Williams led the Cougars 29 carries, 169 yards, and two touchdowns. He and BYU will host 3-0 Toledo on Friday night. An intriguing game given how the first four have played out for BYU and a sneaky Toledo team who is yet to face what many believe is a real test. Countdown to kickoff live at 9 Eastern. I don't know if I'm more disappointed about BYU losing or the fact that we can't make fun of West Virginia anymore. Because it, it's not West Virginia week. Gosh, There were some fans from West Virginia that were like, you got what you deserved after coming after us like that. Yep. <laughs> Jim Fredette scored 34 and 43 points on Saturday and Sunday games in China for the Shanghai Sharks who won the Merlin, Merlinian Cup? Merlian. Merlian Cup. Yes. It's a bunch of wizards, mm-hmm. and uh, they honor Merlin. The Merlian Cup. Mer- the Merlian Cup. I uh, anoint you the golden wizard, Jimmer. <laughs> the golden wizard? <laughs> Is that the MVP trophy from the Merlian yeah, Cup? Yeah, the golden wizard. <laughs> the tri-tournament wizard cup of Harry Potterness. Oh, Jimmer Fredette. <laughs> Fourth-ranked BYU women's soccer beat Long Beach State 1-0 Saturday thanks to an 85th-minute goal from the nation's leading goal scorer, Ashley Hatch, who now has 12 on the season. How many teams has she outscored now that she added another goal? We need to look at that. I counted the other day. It was was 105. Yeah, I don't want to count that anymore. That was a lot. Too many. Someone someone else's turn to count. Cougars in the NFL for week three. Dennis Pitt had six catches for 42 yards. Daniel Sorensen had an interception for the Chiefs. Kyle Vannoy had four tackles for the Lions. And Alani Fua had a tackle for it. The Cardinals. What is your biggest takeaway from BYU's loss against West Virginia? Let's go to the Twitter machine. You got tweets. Before I read the first tweet, I need to answer a question I asked earlier in the show, and that is how many times did BYU punt? It was twice. They only punted twice? BYU punted twice. Because and West they turned Virginia, over four times. West Virginia only punted once. Three combined punts in that entire game. Wow. 
That's Big 12 football. <laughs> Interesting you say that, Jerem. High scoring offense in West Virginia. At Blainer101, answering today's Twitter question on the biggest takeaway from Saturday's game. Plain frustration. Why can't we win these close games? Every game we are fighting to come back from behind. Here's the deal. It wasn't close. It wasn't close. BYU made it close. So then it's like, wait, one more. I, you know what I mean? You needed three scores. Well, you I, got two. Well, I felt differently, much differently about this game than the UCLA game, obviously because of the offensive execution on BYU's side. But BYU had the ball down three. They got a stop. Twice. And then through the tipped interception, then we're gifted the ball back. And so I know a lot of the attention goes to, well, yeah, they were only in it because West Virginia center made a huge mistake. No, BYU's defense got a stop. They were down three with the ball before that fumble ever happened. Both so that one feels differently are, to me. Both those are right. Yeah. BYU got the stop of its own accord, right? Yeah, it, it is frustrating because you look at the end line, the, the, the box score, and you go, hey, three-point loss. BYU was down 17 at home. Trevor Maddich is right. If you can make that comeback, why are, you, why are you getting down 17 in the first place? So BYU certainly has some room to improve. I think that this schedule is really tough and that BYU is, you know, this close from being 4-0-0-4. Like, it's been a, an, an interesting set of four games. At Tavita underscore Mac, Jamal has got to get the ball more. 29 times is a pretty hefty load of carries. In fact, it's probably too much in, in, when all is said and done with this season. 29's a lot. You can't, you can't maintain that. It's fine for but when that it's, game. when it's working so well, it's hard to go away from it. The dude can – yeah. Be careful, though. The dude can get tired. They pulled him out of an Arizona drive just to make sure he was uh, – heads managing. At Tavita underscore Matt continues, it's second and two with a little more than a minute left. Give it to 21. And that is in reference with- to the interception play. From Taysom Hill oh. to Aleva Hefo. Oh, do not run in that situation. No, I wholeheartedly disagree with this. BYU was what, out of timeouts at that point? No, 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 no. You do not run. You pass the ball. Sorry. You pass the ball underneath. Maybe in that situation, get out of, out of no bounds. way. No way. Here's the thing. Yeah, get out of bounds. Taysom Mitchell Hill knows on that, that play, now. on the play that was called, Taysom Hill made the right read. He made yeah, the right read. Yeah, it was right just an overthrow. I'm, but, and like I said earlier, if you missed it, that's a 5'10 guy trying to make a play. If it's 6'6", Mitch Matthews, 6'5", Taron Houck last year, that's a catch, I think. Probably. That's, it's tough. Taysom Hill's trying to make a play. To Aleva Hefo, Taysom Hill sits back there and he goes, I see Aleva. I trust him. I'm going to throw this up. And unfortunately, that's a bad bounce. Do you know, Cougar Stats was tweeting this out earlier. Do you know the last play of Ty Detmer's career? It was an interception against Iowa, 13-13, balls at like the 30, bounces off a guy's hand into an Iowa defender's hand in the end zone. Like, it, it happens. It stinks, but it happens. I'm going to tell you why this Season is much like Ty Detmer's senior season in just a moment, but not before I do credit Tavita underscore Mac with that tweet and say, listen, for the most part, I'm right there with you. Feed the beast. After a huge game on Saturday, Jamal is getting closer to becoming number one all time at BYU. Cue the music. On his way to BYU football immortality, Jamal Williams is chasing Unga. On BYU Sports Nation. Jamal Williams needs how many yards to pass Harvey Unga, Jerem? 513. So if he plays like he did against Arizona and West Virginia, that's like two and a half games. So, yeah, I think in the next four or five games, Jamal could, could get her done. How about that? In the next four games, he could get it done. If he that's- runs for 125-ish, 
130 yards a game on average. That's a lot. That is a lot, but he's run for 160 a couple of times this season. Yeah. And and Toledo, now that's the team Jamal could have some success against. Michigan State, that's more like UCLA and Utah. And Utah so yes. brace yourself for that. And then, uh, of course, Mississippi State, uh, South Alabama, and UMass can win or hang with Mississippi State. You like chances there. So, yeah, interesting. Let's have some fun here. And play we the, always do. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. <laughs> and play the hypothetical game. Let's say. I love hypotheticals. BYU puts together a solid offensive performance behind Jamal Williams on Friday night. They beat Toledo. And I don't care by how many. 38 they just, to They beat 20, Toledo. Four. Sure. Great. They're two and three. If they go on the road at Michigan State and do the improbable and finally win one of these close games and bounces go the Cougars' way. And of all the games, that Michigan State would be the toughest. And they win that game, how that would, would your wild. emotions be at that point, 3-3, three and three, coming off of wins against Toledo and Michigan State? That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Would, is, that's the type of game that can change the entire complexity of a season. Because it would be one of the greatest wins in modern BYU football, right? Yeah, that place, that team, absolutely. I don't care that they got blown out by Wisconsin last week. That would be a huge win. Up next, BYU has a number one team in the country. But first, it's that time. Jerem, how did we fare in our going for two projections? Hopefully I'm still winning. Better than BYU did Saturday. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, live from Studio B at BYU Broadcasting. Remember, if you miss an episode of this show, watch the rebroadcast of BYUSN weeknights on BYU TV starting promptly at 6 p.m. Eastern. And today at 1 p.m. Eastern time, we will have Facebook Live interviews from BYU Football's press conference that's coming up uh, here in just 13 minutes. 13 minutes, Facebook Live from the Student Athlete Building. BYU's weekly press conference with Kalani Satake and select players. Yeah, if you want BYU Sports Nation and more of it, Facebook Live is the place to go because we are all over the after-practice sessions, not to mention Jeremy and I have we'll, uh, we'll recaps do as well. whenever yep. there is uh, media availability. So We'll literally like sprint from here and go down there as soon as the show's over. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I would feel like sprinting, but... Yeah. Uh, okay, a brisk yes. uh, walk. Yeah. Yes. Speedwalk. Move I can actually the hips. speedwalk really well. Move not the four, hips. Not four nine, but pretty good. What is your biggest takeaway from BYU's loss against West Virginia at CL underscore Living? Their success at going for two is similar to Spencer and Jaron. Hey, we've actually gotten some. BYU's zero for four. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Oh, BYUSN is too good to miss today. Thank you at CL underscore Living. I need the group therapy. They say. You hate that. You hate that idea about BYU Sports Station, but it's very real. I Embrace know. it, Jerem. I'm not paid to be a therapist. I'm not licensed but to that's do what such. It, that's what I it just is for a lot of opinion. people. BYU, BYU loses. You're right. I play one on TV. <laughs> And I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. Speaking of going for two, brought up by at CL underscore living, how are we faring? Roll it! Can you predict the future? Yes. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, if you're not familiar with this segment, here's how it works. Every Friday, Jeremy and I make two predictions of things we feel strongly will come to fruition. They are bold in nature. Did we get anything right in our predictions about Saturday's game against West Virginia? Time to be held accountable. Jerem, okay, you're up. 
Great uh, continent. BYU's defense will hold West Virginia under 25 points. Wrong. Mm. The defense gave up 28. Remember, there was a pick six. The defense? The defense. Oh, yeah. so, okay. Had, yeah. it, had it been under 25, would you have finagled it that way, too? Like, the I defense? Said, I said BYU defense. I know. Okay. On Friday. Okay. <sighs> okay. <laughs> There's no argument here. Okay. Number, okay. number two, BYU okay. have at least two takeaways. I got that one because West Virginia fumbled <laughs> it inside the five without, like, under a minute to go like a bunch of idiots. How did that happen? <laughs> but I got it. I got one. Finally, I'm two and six. You were gifted. Oh, hey, you were gifted. hey West Virginia gave me a gift. Yeah, you were to gifted five. a going for two win. So you've you've had two correct ones I, I and wa- six that have not been correct. I want to clarify. They're not idiots. The act was idiotic. My bad. That's very nice of you to say. <laughs> All right, now for my going for two results. I said BYU will score two touchdowns in the first half. Run the ball with Jamal <laughs> inside the five. First and goal at the five. And <laughs> but you run the ball the whole way down. We're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to get it. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to score a touchdown. And, and, and. Come on. Yes, come on. <laughs> run the ball. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most fired up you've been in a Shout while. Shout out to Jamal and his family. Woo. Nicole, we send our love. Now, I went out on a, on a pretty – uh, distinct limb with my second one. It was very bold. I said BYU would hold West Virginia to under 119 yards rushing, and I picked that number mm. specifically because they were averaging 238 per game in the first two. Did I get that one right? Mm. No. But BYU's <laughs> defense was, for the most part, up to the challenge. They held West Virginia to a season-low 149 yards rushing. BYU ran for 280 against West Virginia, and the Mountaineers managed 149 against the stout BYU defensive front. I'm trying to look at how many yards they had rushing. Like, did they have the 30 yards rushing after those two picks late? So if BYU didn't th- throw those picks late oh, and may- they scored may- Jamal, you maybe. go two for two? Here's all we know. Ugh. I'm only one behind you now, which is great. The, being down two felt like a lot, so I feel like I'm back in it. You have three right, I have two right. And BYU has none right when they go for two. What's your biggest takeaway Come from on. BYU's loss against West Virginia? More of your responses in a bit. Coming up, 13th ranked women's volleyball with another sweep and a top three finish from men's golf. The Cougar Whip Around. We rolling. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Let's whip it, West Virginia. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. BYU drops to 1-3 after a 35-32 loss to West Virginia in Landover, Maryland. Jamal Williams led the Cougars with 29 carries, 169 rush yards, and two touchdowns. Spencer wishes it was three. BYU hosts 3-0 Toledo on Friday night. Countdown to kickoff will be live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium at 9 Eastern Holy time. Toledo! Jimmer scored 34 and 43 points on Saturday and Sunday games in China for the Shanghai Sharks. Fredette and the Sharks won the Merlion Cup. He's the Golden Wizard. Soccer. Fourth-ranked women's soccer team beat Long Beach State 1-0 Saturday thanks to an 85th-minute goal from the nation's leading goal scorer, Ashley Hatch, who now has 12 goals on the season. We looked it up. Breezy on our staff. 107 D1 teams haven't scored that many. Hey, that's awesome. The Cougars are ranked second, by the way, in both the top drawer soccer and hero sports rankings. The NSCAA rankings come out tomorrow. Cougars in the NFL. Dennis Pitta had six catches, 42 yards for the Baltimore Ravens in week three, a win. Daniel Sorensen had an interception for the Chiefs, a win. Kyle Van Noy had four tackles for the Lions, and Alani Fua had a tackle for the Cardinals. 
Volleyball. The 13th ranked Cougars swept San Francisco Saturday 3-0. Lindy Haddock uh, had a career-high seven kills as the setter. A match-high 25 assists and five blocks. The Cougars go on the road for a rare Tuesday match at Pepperdine tomorrow, 10 Eastern time on the W.TV. Golf. The men's team finished third at the William H. Tucker Invitational. Freshman Rhett Rasmussen finished tied for sixth individually at one under par for his tournament. Tennis. Freshman Samantha Smith of the women's uh, tennis team finished second at the BYU Invitational. Cross country. Men's cross country ranked number one. Whoa! In the flow track rankings, the women are 13th. Also, the men's team moved up to number two in the mountain region in the USTFF. No, USTF CCCA regional rankings. Easy, easy to holy, miss a letter. Holy cow. The women remain ranked third in the same region. New coaches poll will be released tomorrow morning. Cougars in the minors. Jacob Brugman is the AAA Nashville Sounds MVP. Attaboy, Jacob. Now, he hasn't been called up to the majors yet, which I'm still waiting for, but I guess that's over. Very busy week ahead for us on BYU Sports Nation. Blaine Fowler, David Nixon, former Cougars. And football analysts will join us in studio. Dave Rose, Toledo head coach Jason Candle, Nick Emery, Eric Mika, Kyle Davis as part of BYU Basketball's Media Day. Hey, let's go. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Jerem? Robert Bullsby. Yes, Bob Bullsby. It's the Triwizard <laughs> Tournament, <laughs> I love Dumbledore so much. Especially Dumbledore! In, especially in the first two Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What is your biggest yeah, takeaway going. from BYU's loss against West Virginia? Our elite tweet of the day from at Kubaka. Re- receivers need to stop tipping the ball up. They're killing me, Smalls. They're killing me. Hashtag live and die with BYU football. The high school quarterback at my high school when I was a freshman sophomore, his last name was Small, so we use that a lot. Thanks to Trevor Maddich and everyone on our crew. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN, people. Hey, Jeremy, you know who else started 0-3 in their senior season, or 1-3, I should say, in their senior season? Ty Detmer. Yeah, how about that? It's not over yet. Keep the hope alive. Show on demand, BYUSN.com. Audio podcast on iTunes for Jeremy. I'm Spencer. Shout out to Levi Madrietta. See you tomorrow. West Virginia. One.